Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhardt, how you doing? Welcome to the Solar Coaster, episode number 61. This is a great uh, show we got for you. Maui Electric, uh, focusing in on Molokai to uh, 100% renewable energies, Jay. Yeah, they're, they've been making progress in this aspect for a long time. Actually hit some rough water, you know. I mean, it's it's really, really difficult to get to 100%, but they're on the road, and we learned a lot about what their new and kind of progressive programs are all about. Yeah, kind of, um, I think it was really educational process for me as a solar guy, getting a sense for what it takes to kind of get more and more renewable energies on a grid. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a great day. We flew over there on, was it Mokalele or something? And beautiful views yep. and came in and then just hit the ground running with uh, Chris Reynolds, uh, the uh, uh, managing, what is he, uh, what's his title again? Ma uh, Manager of System Operations. And then Gregory Kresge, yep. the Director of Renewable Energies. Uh, Sable was there as well. Anybody else we're missing out? A couple, handful of staff members really great people very welcoming to us when we were there this was uh yeah good experience and we're gonna get a chance to share this with everybody today yep okay Go so home. we got we got a lot to do here so we're just gonna jump right into it uh this this <laughs> is the solar coaster folks for a new renewable energy themed talk show right here in lovely maui county uh we are uh here on fridays at 105 p.m in kaoi 11 10 a.m studios down in wailuku we're also on some fm stations 96 7 fm central maui 96 5 fm west side 98 7 fm up country got a great website solar-coaster.com anything important there to talk about jay uh, we keep updating all our old shows. Everything's there. I do want to stress, go down the bottom of the page. If you have questions and comments, put them in there on the form right at the bottom of the main page, and we'll get your questions and comments on air. All right. Sponsored by a great uh, stable of companies, Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonam Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Thank you so much for keeping on, uh, us on air, folks. Really do appreciate it. We also got some on the track. We love you guys. <laughs> yeah. We also got some podcasts going on out there, right? Still doing that, yeah? Sure. Podcasts always go up. Um, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If podcasting is your preferred audio consumption method, uh, we're always out there. Just search for Solar Coaster, uh, all one word or two words or whatever. You'll, you'll see our yellow logo right there. Excellent. Let's go right into news and events, breeze through that, and get into the content I'm excited about. Okay. Yeah, news is short and sweet today. Uh, Bloomberg reporting, there's a chance the solar market will contract for the first time ever. This is a whole article about how um, well China is still just such a powerhouse in the um, the global marketplace, right? And when sure. they basically they just, the the article says the country decided to put the brakes on new installations. I don't think that's true. I mean, basically they just couldn't pay the exorbitant tariffs that they had actually put out there. As, right, and, as, the, as and, an and this was similar to how we have incentives here in the states. They have Correct. incentives there, and that's what kind of uh, was this, you know, uh, catalyst for all this development, you know, for deployment of solar. Also, that means manufacturing of solar. And uh, they basically just could not pay it anymore. It was there's so much money that was due. So they put the brakes on that. And then um, and that has impacted the globe in terms of PV production, I guess. Right. Like actual. Right. Well, it's, it, on, honestly, I mean, we're, we're going solar installations down to a total of 95 gigawatts. You know, that's that's down 3 percent. It's not a huge drop. A, this but is it a is. global. It's this not is China. This not is a China number. Trend. This is a China this number. Is, well, it's it, this is global market. Okay. 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 It's so global market. China's solar demand still has in the global market. Yeah. Right. And then, um, well, right. I, mean, I guess the, the the core point of this article here in Bloomberg was just they show tw they show this graph. They have two th 2017, 2018 side by side. They have a conservative estimate for 2018, and it's actually a couple of megs or gigs, I should say, gigs uh, yep. s sm smaller than 2017. But that's the conservative estimate. The uh, right. optimistic, which has the two bars together, shows that it is you know it probably will have slight growth. So uh, a yeah. bit, bit of a bit of a teaser there with that uh, that title. But uh, at the end of the day, you know it is. Kind of a relevant thing, I guess. Yeah. Like clickbait. Clickbait. <laughs> the solar market could contract. Yeah. Oh no! Everything's over. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, all right. Not at all. All right. So we jump over to what's going on um, with uh, sure. this uh, poll nationally. Uh, PV Magazine is reporting that um, they, they circulated a survey said nearly two thirds of Americans support solar mandate. Now this is a mandate like we have our um, hot water mandate locally, um, and California just proposed that they would have PV on every single new construction house. Uh, in the United, well, this is for this is in the United States, right? This the the, the um, poll was for what you know was across the United States, for the United States. But the, right. of course, the, because um, so California mandated this, right? So we're like, I guess the idea correct. is, hey, is um, what's happening in California is that kind of indicative of what would happen across the country? Or is there could that possibly happen across the country? Will people support that kind of legislation? Well, 
a lot of people do. Obviously, it's it's less popular in uh, like northeastern states where uh, solar ROI doesn't necessarily pan out <laughs> very quickly. But, uh, right, but the numbers, for the most part, yeah. I mean, people. It's, and it's across party lines, across partisan uh, well, yeah. support, which yeah, is I really, mean, really interesting in this in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, it basically just says. I mean, they break it down: Democrat, Republican. They break it down. You know, uh, how, you know, very much supported or kind of somewhat supported. At the end of the day, it's about two thirds, right? So, uh, yep. yeah, definitely, there's uh, there's there's a lot of support out there across the country for kind of similar types of legislation. Can't, can't argue it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And finally, this is the one I really want to talk about, and I, don't, I hope we had more time. Hawaii opens up existing solar installations to energy storage. All you NEM customers out there, this is the one we've been waiting for. Uh, right now, um, the, the uh, homeowners businesses, that 60,000 Hawaii homeowners businesses that are part of the, the, the revolution already have solar on their home, have not been able to install battery systems after the fact, which has been a big problem for folks, including myself. Hmm. And... Um, Hawaii Public Utilities Commission was uh, forcing energy storage on new customers, but didn't give a path to existing customers. So now they've clarified. There's finally this this um, was it docket number twenty fourteen zero one nine two clarified that you can indeed go uh, add a battery which is awesome. It is, uh, you cannot add any more solar. If you want to inst add more solar, you have to apply to a new program, one of the, the C CSS or, or maybe the NEM expansion program when that comes out. Um, but it also further exempts these storage systems from any technical review requirements. Yeah, that was so pretty you basically, remarkable. You been, that's neat. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that, and that kind of you know, begs the question, you don't need a technical review. So you know, what is it you're doing? If you're, are, are you just informing the utility that you're doing it? Is it as simple as that? Uh, and you do know, you have to. <laughs> I, I, do you have to? And are there um, what kind of technical requirements are they? Uh, is, does it have to be a certain? If it's like, let's say, it's an AC coupled battery system, does it have to be a certain kind of inverter that is approved? You know, so uh, right. I think we're uh, yeah. So that's a pretty uh, astonishing thing, and actually a tremendous amount of business for the industry when you think about that. Jay, there are sixty thousand yep. uh, accounts out there to potentially integrate uh, all those systems. How are we doing, Gary? Are we ready to go? I'm sh I'm sh I'm yeah. shopping around right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So that's pretty much, we're going to uh, finish up the news and events there, run into our commercials, come right back in and talk all about Molokai. Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tsubuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tsubuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tsubuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. 
Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. All right, those were our great uh, sponsors. Thank you so much for keeping the Solar Coaster on air. We're going to jump right into this show. Some very exciting stuff here. I mean, at the end of the day, we really uh, spent this great time with the uh, staff at Maui Electric, and we learned all about Molokai and then what, what's happening. How is it going to 100% renewable energies? What are some of the challenges? Uh, there's some great technology that we're going to explore, a battery energy storage system called the BESS, or the, that we like to call the Bessie, and then uh, the load bank, and then we're talking about the future with electric vehicles and also distributed solar plus... Uh, uh, plus battery happening out there, some really cutting edge stuff. So we're just going to jump right in right now to the, our first segment. Let's 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 take a take a look. So we're at Palau Power Plant on Molokai. Okay. And we're just pulling up to the control building right now. Okay. And so this is where all the electricity is generated from Molokai right now, right? Uh, outside of renewable energies. Yes, this is it. This is the only power plant on island. And this is primarily uh, shipped in with, with diesel. Yes, this is number two diesel fuel oil. Okay. And what's the capacity of this plant? Uh, approximately 14 and a half megawatts. 14 and a half megs. And that covers what overall percentage of the, the needed island? Is it 100% or? 100% plus. Got it, got it. Okay, so let's get in there and take a look at it. So we were gonna look at the, the power plant here. You said about 14 megawatts, right? Which is yeah. over 100% of the uh, needs of the island. We said shipped in number two diesel. And then you were describing that this warehouse over here carries all of your overhead lines and such, right? Right. Uh, all the equipment you need to uh, uh, maintain the grid effectively, right? Right. Okay. And then what else do we have here? So basically in the back is our substation where we step up the voltage on the energy going out to the system. So there's two voltages back there, 12 and a half kilovolts and then 34,000 kilovolts. Okay. So 34,000 kilovolts is what you have in the generation section? So that, that's on the back, so that's side. On the back side. In the On the generation side, it's like, it's a 2.4 kilovolts. 2.4 kilovolts to 30,000 plus. 30, 34 kV and 12 and a half kV. Got it. So we got this great introduction of the overall layout of the power plant from Chris Reynolds of Miko. Thank you. And then we hooked up with Greg Kresge, who gave us a, he's actually the Renewable Energies Director of Miko, uh, but gave us a little rundown on how the traditional generator technology works before we dug into the new stuff. Units seven and eight and then nine, and those are the ones in the bigger buildings are the, the Caterpillar units. Those are 2.2 megawatts a piece. And then we have four units in the middle and they're completely numbered out of order, but they're basically three, four, five, and six. And uh, those are Cummins one, one megawatt units. Pretty, all of them pretty fast to respond. The 10th unit is our combustion turbine, which we don't use very often. We use uh, Burns diesel as well, but it's a, it's a turbine as opposed to a, a piston driven system. These are uh, piston engines, right? And they're generating about, what, what was the capacity again? 2.2 megawatts is their capacity. That's how high they can go. And obviously this is off right now, so we can hear ourselves talk, right? It, it, so this is the generating unit itself. The pistons turn an axle, turn a shaft inside the, the engine. The shaft then turns the generator, and inside here is a magnetic coiled generator. So when it spins faster, it creates more electricity. When it, when you need less, it ramps down. And this is pretty much how we've been making electricity for 100 years. I mean, is it pretty much the same thing? Yes, so in the Maui Electric fleet here, we have 10 generating units that are all diesel units like this. Malaya has um, 22, but four of those are combustion turbines. Then at Kalui, we actually have boiler system, which is, and that's the oldest out of our whole fleet. They actually burn bunker oil, which is a heavier fuel oil. And then what they do is they, they burn that to create superheated water and turn it into steam that then runs a turbine. So instead of a generator like this, you're actually having that steam build up with, with fins that catch that uh, expanded water, steam, gas, and then that turns the generator. 
Okay, got it, got it. So you've got different types of generation and systems. On Lanai, we have these exact same units on Lanai. So oh, okay. And the other units on Lanai, we have some one megawatt units, but they're actually locomotive in design. They are, they look like trains. Yeah. They look like trains. Look like okay, I can't wait to see those. So they're a lot like generators that you buy at low or co Lowe's or Costco, right? I mean, it's just the thing you would buy. You put some gasoline in. And just a little bigger. A lot, a lot, a lot bigger, right? Okay, uh, okay. Well, yeah. The and control room conversation that we had after that makes it. Yeah, it makes it obvious what, what's going on, that it's a lot more than that. Right. So in this next segment, we're actually in the control room with Chris Reynolds looking at an illuminated line diagram with numbers fluctuating live, showing load and generation at the same time for the entire island in specific areas. So let's take a look at that. So we're looking at what looks like, like almost like a line drawing, right, of loads and generation of the entire island of Molokai. Is that right? Yeah. So basically, there's a line going across, and it's the bus. So anything above that bus line is connecting to the generation. So you have circuit breakers going specifically to Gen 9, Gen 8, Gen 7. And then below the bus line is our distribution system. So these are 12 KV lines going to Kaunakakai, Kualapu, Kavala. And then we have one 34 KV line going out to the west side. Got it, got it. Nice. something over here that says BESS, B-E-S-S. -S. What's that? That's our battery, battery energy storage system. Okay, so that's a load that you can absorb energy when you need to, is that correct? Yes, and export as well. And then on the on the generation side, are you I mean, are you constantly feathering those up and down? Is that kind of part of what the effort is out here? So basically, our generations are either are running in ISOC mode or in a base load. So basically, ISOC mode allows the generators to share the load and maintain frequency and then the base-loaded units come on to kind of support the other two units in ISOC. Okay, got it. So, I mean, from a layman's perspective, I mean, you're, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're effectively trying to balance generation with load, right? That's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. They're performing this balancing act every single day, trying to match our demands as, as the customers to their generating capacity. If you make too much, uh, you, you burn things out. If you don't make enough, the grid becomes unstable and crashes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then there's, um, there's also that the the, the, um, the pump light uh, was one interesting thing for me. You know, uh, we never really think about it, but that water slash wastewater pumping is actually a huge part of what they um, what they talk about, like what they what they need to supply every single day. It's it's a large part of their demand. He said like what 15, 20% of of their over their total demand mm, yeah. at all times, and so they get about 15 minutes where uh, the light comes on and they say, hey, the, the county's gonna turn the pumps on, so ramp up. Absolutely. And they have, to, they have to be able to match that, that demand. Absolutely, absolutely. So we, we finished up with the control room, went over to the BESS, we like to call it the Bessie, that's our own little nickname for it. And this is kind <laughs> of the crown jewel of, of their new technology, right? So it's a battery system, about two megawatts of power, about 347 kilowatts of storage, it looked like. And then they're able to do something, like, was it about six megs or something? Uh, what was I the numbers exactly? Mm -hmm. But we're gonna hear all about that now in this third segment. Yes. Okay, so what are we looking at here, Chris? So basically we have a container over here which has just the battery systems in it. Um, next to it is the inverter that actually changes from AC, I mean DC to AC. And then the power comes over here to a transformer which steps it up from the AC voltage up to the 12 kV needed to tie into the rest of the system. Gotcha. So the batteries is a two megawatt, 397 kilowatt hour battery system. So the inverters actually have a two megawatt capacity. Okay, so we're looking at the BMS, the battery management system. Yeah. So basically, this is the system that actually monitors the health and the status of the batteries back there. And we're inside what looks like a 40-foot container, effectively. It's been insulated and air-conditioned and all suited up to handle the batteries. Yes. Yeah. And what are the, I see some modules over here. Are they like, do you know what sizes they are? So basically, you're seeing the modules, and inside the modules are the individual battery cells. So they're like little cells, just like we see everything else, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. 
Chris, looking at this array of, of battery modules here, what, and we're over two megawatts, 2.347 or something like that? Two megawatts. Two megawatts. What is the uh, expected lifespan of the system? So we haven't really hit a market where we need to replace these batteries. They've been in, in service for about four years now. We're hoping to get at least 12 years out of them. Okay, so 12-year lifespan. And I would suspect that controlling the temperature is a really key aspect of getting that longevity. It, it is, but it's only one part, because you also need to make sure that you're controlling the voltage, you're making sure that you're not doing complete discharges and actually destroying the actual battery cells. This battery is set up for frequency response, so basically it really struggles to keep the system going at 60 hertz. So anytime there's a disturbance on the system, whether it's a, a large motor coming on, a car hitting a pole, a tree coming down on a line, this system is gonna keep it at 60 hertz. And so the I, I, we were just talking earlier in the control room about the implications of when we have a, a frequency shift outside of 60 hertz, you lose your PV as a consequence of the settings on the inverters, right? So is this set up in such a way to try to mitigate the loss of PV unnecessarily? Exactly. So when this is functioning, the PV shouldn't really see any frequency deviations and should remain online. Okay, so one of those kind of, and then it, the consequence of having the PV go down is the need to take that spinning reserve and, and deploy it effectively, right? So, so this, this battery can respond in milliseconds, you know, it can respond very quickly. So what that does is it can inject really quickly to save frequency, and then the generator can also respond and try to help that. Now the, the big issue is to try to not have them battle each other, right? They've got to try to sync. I wanted to make sure that we went over the, the function of the battery because I think a lot of people believe that the main function of a battery is a time shift energy. You're storing energy to use later. That's not the function of this battery. It's a completely different function. Okay, got it. Thank you. Yeah. And as Greg admitted, there's two components to a battery system. There's the power component, and this one is two megawatts, but it's also the energy component, which is power over a, a period of time. So this is two megawatts, but it can only do 397 kilowatt hours. So at two megawatts, we would deplete this battery in about six minutes. Six minutes, six if, minutes, if it were at full discharge capability at two megs, it would be gone in six minutes. Yeah. But typically you're capped at about 400, which is the uh, 400 kilowatt, kilowatt, kilowatts, did I hear that? No, so basically, um, so what it's doing is it can correct frequency. So it'll respond in probably a little bit over 50 milliseconds in time. It can fix the frequency return the system back to normal in a matter of seconds. So it's a, it's a matter of very short duration use. Yeah. A lot of power, very short, but that's just what the system needs to kind of ride through these small events. So you're getting, are you getting that full two megs at that 50 milliseconds? Haven't needed it yet. I think the most we've ever needed really was 500 kilowatts. Okay, got it. But we really hadn't had anything catastrophic to really demand the battery to, to put out that much power. Understood. I think we got our head around the, uh, the storage system here. All right. Yeah, that's really interesting that the battery uh, isn't there to, to time, what he said, time shift energy, which is storing that that solar energy that you would make during the day and then to save it for use overnight. It's That's really not the purpose of this particular battery. And I think that's a misconception a lot of people have. Um, they don't have any time shift availability, availability yet on Molokai, but it's coming. Um, so this battery is there to provide kind of short bursts of energy when there's not enough production. Uh, but the other the other possible use case is when like a whole bunch of solar ramps up all at once and and they have too much power. What do we do with that? Um, so they have this other thing. It's called the load bank, and we got to take a look at that one as well. <laughs> so, know, bigger, right? <laughs> we're looking yeah. for like a really impressive thing. So, Chris, what are we looking at right here in this? Uh, just this is our new load bank on Molokai. We hear so much about this load bank. It's probably about seven feet tall and about three feet wide, and <laughs> it wouldn't stand out in a crowd. No, it's it's really not supposed to. This is basically the the one of the safety systems for the island of Molokai. It's it's not that big. Uh, but then the relative size of Molokai systems not that doesn't really require something much larger. 
So basically what this does is it just converts energy to heat and then vents it off the top. That's exactly what Jason was telling me on the flight over. <laughs> yeah. okay. So one of the nice things about this is, is that we have a lot of generation on the island outside the power plant. PVs right now is the predominant one with no real control. So if the system were to kind of start running away and we couldn't turn our generators down fast enough, safe enough, this would come on for just brief periods of time to burn off that excess energy, maintain that frequency, and then as soon as we were able to make adjustments to our generators, this comes off, and then no one suffers from it. Is there a size capacity to this? Or this is 750 kilowatts. So it, does that mean that it can? Does that mean that it can absorb 750 kilowatts of power at a given moment? Yes, it can, and it can do it continuously, and it's pretty much instantaneous. So you can, it can come on. It comes on in 50 kilowatt steps. So we can just program it, and it comes on. How much? Maybe we don't need the full 750. Maybe we only need 100. So your, um, did I hear correctly that your peak load on Molokai is about five or six megawatts? Last year it was 5.7 megawatts. Uh, okay. It's a little more than just five. Got it. We're going to be commissioning testing it next week. It's going to have a control panels. Controls are going to be operated in the in the the control room up there. So when it gets to a certain point where the operators need to make a decision to say what are we going to do, I say they can't take a unit off quick enough. They can just turn this on and then turn it off. And they, you don't probably only run for a few minutes, but that's all they need. As opposed to turning a generator off, then having to try to start another generator up. So this just gives you some greater flexibility in having to scale back or scale on other generators, and it gives you a little more time to, to work out issues as they arise. Yes, it does. These are typically set up for actually connecting directly to generators. So you can uh, allow the generators to run up to do their testing, whether you just got off an overhaul or you're doing emissions testing. Um, it can allow a generator to run up full load and down and not impact the systems it's connected to. So typically, this is connecting it to a grid and controlling a grid is not a very common use. Oh, so this is kind of a experimental to some degree. It's a, new, a new, new functionality. It's been used in a few island systems like this, especially down in the Australia, Tasmania area. but but pretty much this is new for, for Hawaii. Yeah, so using these two tools, Miko's actually able to either quickly respond to demands for power or you know, for instability, can discharge it through that best, or if there's too much power, they can actually blow it off without damage to the equipment or customers. You know, it's unfortunate that we need to blow off energy. We don't want to waste it as heat energy, but as they said, it's kind of an interesting use, right, of this module. Uh, it was never really intended for that, but look how creative Maui Electric is out there in putting this load bank into place to be able to uh, you know, burn off energy when they need to to keep the grid stable. It's pretty remarkable. You know, and. Uh, as yeah, we, it is. yeah, and as we heard earlier, that's the balancing act, right? That's the, they maintain right, this right. all day long. You're probably going to say that, right, Jay? And it's not yep, as easy yep, as just plugging yep. into a socket or something. They've got this kind of little ballet going on. But uh, so, what's next, Jay? Yeah. Uh, so then we uh, shift gears. I get use that phrase specifically because we started talking about the EVs. Now, Molokai only has right now uh, 21, 22 EVs on island, uh, but they're expecting a whole, a big increase because this is one of the places in the world where gas is over $5 per gallon. Oh, yes, man. I got pictures of that <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> because for the people that don't believe it, and that's just painful. Um, so they're actually putting in, um, they've been in huge discussions with the community about how, um, how to best install these, where people actually would want them, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what kind of chargers to put in. So there's the super DTC fast chargers, which will literally fill a lot of a lot of your vehicle in a few minutes versus right. the, your normal level two charger where you kind of have to sit there for a couple hours. Right. Um, but but there's varying varying places for for all of these. Yeah. We and um, and. We yeah, talked about two spots, right? So like in the center of town, there was this location mm -hmm. that Greg and his team had spent a lot of time kind of talking with shop owners about where you put in this DC fast charger. And they chose a specific location. We actually had a great interview there. We had some tech problems and we lost that content. But the bottom line was that Greg had had really worked uh, and in you know, a lot of outreach to say, where is the best spot for this? And uh, this is going to be a you know quick uh, charging of, of, of an electric vehicle. And then they also have another location uh, down outside of town in the aquatics 
center, where uh, the community center, where they're uh, putting in level two chargers, which will take a little bit more time uh, for the cars to charge. But of course, the families presumably might be walking into town or having a swim and could, you know, it's more effective in that regard. So we're going to listen in on that. Yeah. So we're at the, um, the aquatic center in downtown yeah. Right. Well, it's Mitchell Poway Community Center. Okay. Yep. And then uh, you're gonna uh, your 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 game plan here is to put in is it two, uh, a couple or two or three level two chargers? Well, we're teaming up with the with the county of Maui. They would be actually be the ones to fund the level. We're looking at three level two chargers, two or three. We'd like to get in more than less. And actually the work that we're doing on our workplace charging pilot is going to help that effort because they would basically be taking the same uh, charger that we would be looking at for our workplace charging and, and utilizing those chargers here um, because we're looking at it from a network possibility and the, the ability of those chargers to be able to stand on their own and also give the customer um, a lot of feedback. So a lot of these um, have, net, uh, you know, they're network connected on like through an app or, you know, something on your iPhone. And then it gives you a lot of really good data about, you know, one, how much did it charge you to, you know, how much does it cost you to charge? Um, two, it, it can also tell you kind of the state of charge of your battery. How much did you have? How much did you, how much did your car take in mm -hmm. on a kilowatt per hour basis? And then also the app can also um, show you a little bit about your driving and use habits, which is how often do I have to charge? Right. You know, and what is that costing me every, every week or every month? or that right. sort of thing. You can see your history, right? right? So um, anyway, when we're teaming up with the county to do this, we were, we're away from town because that was one of the feedback, uh, one so, of the things we got. So uh, this is the kind customers. of the, 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 the result of that dialogue yeah. you had in town yeah. about not taking up too many of the uh, the parking spaces for customers. Yeah, the right? high traffic spaces. For that, level two specifically because it takes longer. Well, yeah, the level two up here makes more sense because people are, they're here for, they can be here for a longer period of time. Because um, they're going to come and swim yeah, for a while, yeah, hang out. Right? Yeah, or they could walk to town from here and right. that takes a little bit of time. Right. Um, and then it leaves those high traffic spots open for right. other customers. Okay, great. Yeah, so understanding that these charges will be smart in the way that they communicate both to customers and the grid uh, as to how much energy people are consuming is a really interesting feature. I can't say it's unique anymore because so many of them do that, but it's really, really cutting edge stuff. And they put so much time and effort into selecting where these these charges are really going to be. I mean, it was it was very apparent driving around with Greg that that he's been there many, many times. He knows the people, he knows the places, and, you know, and, he's, he's, and, he's, and he's learned how traffic is flowing. Mm -hmm. around yeah. Molokai. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is absolutely imperative to, for selecting these charger locations. Okay, so uh, moving off of the uh, electric vehicle discussion in, into one of the most exciting components I thought of the day was the e-gear pilot project. And effectively, this is about a dozen homes, I think 10 homes, where you have solar plus battery storage, battery storage uh, through e-gear, uh, some amazing technology that is controlled by the utilities. And, yeah. and, and got this in, in, in itself, it's not unique, right? I mean, this is not just a solar system. Listen carefully to what he's talking about, because this is equipment that's actually owned or financed by the utility people didn't have to pay for this and yet they were still able to get into a net metering kind of program yeah yeah and it actually allowed them to get in right exactly let's uh let's jump on this okay so i'm going to walk you through the e-gear battery system uh that is tied in with pv the photovoltaic system uh this is a pilot program that uses a battery system to mimic the the loads that would normally be on the house in the middle of the day. So we're actually not seeing basically load defection or load uh, loss on the system that you would get when, when you have a PV system generating. And if it's generating more than what would be required by the house, then that extra energy would be fed into the grid. We get sometimes in, in especially on Molokai, we have these circumstances where it's kind of a double whammy. It's a, it's a double negative for us, which is you have the load that was already on the system that we were servicing with the house and on a system constraint like we have where we have a lot of excess energy, when you remove that load, then you actually see problems with the grid because we don't we lose that load and then that load is not there to, for us to service or to help stabilize the grid. And then on top of that, when you have PV generation, then you're adding to that still further disruption, right? Because that PV is now generating extra electricity that's coming onto the grid. So what this battery system does is 
we control the battery, we own the battery, and these customers uh, opted in to, to this pilot program where they were able to proceed with their net energy metering. So this program allows for the energy to get credited across the meter in the middle of the day. For example, nobody's at this house right now. And so there's nobody using the electricity that's being generated from the PV panels but they're getting credit across the meter. And a lot of that has to do with this device right here. It's called the connector collar. Mm -hmm. And what this does is this provides an interface, a connection point between the meter, the net energy meter, and the, uh, the socket. And typically this meter would just go directly into the socket and we would be, uh, we would be getting the energy coming across the meter and crediting them for that. Now what happens is for this particular, in this particular case, this collar allows us to connect in the battery system and it still is on the line side. So even though it's, it's behind the meter, actually the guts of this thing are registering the meter first and then the, the battery system after the meter. So the energy's flowing across, the customer's getting credit for what they're generating, and then the battery is getting the energy that is flowing across the meter. But the, the other neat thing about the battery is that the battery is mimicking the household loads that would normally be there. So we don't see a load loss. So for example, a refrigerator, a freezer, or something that would normally run during the day, maybe a hot water heater, something that would normally run during the day, the, it sees what is being required of the house and it will mimic that and pull that from the grid so that we don't see the load loss. So we don't see any net negative on that. Um, but yet the customer is still getting credit for their energy that they're producing. So that's the interface where the battery is tied in to the, to the system. And it's on the line side again, even though the meter is in front of the collar, you can kind of think of the collar as being after the meter because of the guts on, on how it's wired. Okay. 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 Yeah, got it. So this is your normal interface that you would see with anybody that would have a net energy metering system. Mm -hmm. This is their net energy meter and the PV system would connect in through an inverter into this box. Got right? it. Okay. Okay. This is the e-gear battery system. Like I said, it's a proprietary system. We're working with um, with a company that it has this this e-gear system that they put together specifically for this application for us. This is again a pilot program. So we have ten customers that have opted into this program that allowed them to go forward with their net energy metering and. This is the battery system that takes that energy from the PV panels. Now the PV panels on this house happen to be located right uh, on this carport roof. Mm -hmm. And so those PV panels are first being connected through the, the connector collar, mm -hmm. feeding in there so that they're, they're getting the credit for that energy. Mm -hmm. And then that e-gear system, this e-gear system is also connected to that collar mm -hmm. so that then that energy is now feeding in after the meter, feeding into this battery system, yeah. which we then control. And, and a lot of what we're gonna be doing with this system is testing out you know, being able to test out, can we time shift that energy, have the, uh, shave the evening peak, be able to take these 10 homes off of uh, grid power, you know, during the evening peak, and maybe we can see some sort of drop in that, which we should be able to see, that's time shifting that energy. So pr being produced in the day, stored, and then discharged at night, and so that it can be then charged again the next day. The other thing that we're looking at it is, you know, can we, can it, uh, one was that I told you it mimics the load on the house, which yeah. is really important for us. I want to try out a couple other things. I think it would be really interesting to see, I want it to mimic, for example, EV charging, which would be completely discharge the battery in the day, have it completely empty, and then turn it on all at one, all the 10 systems all at one time and be able to see what is what is the effect. Are we seeing, if, with it, if that was 10 electric vehicles, what would be the, the effect on the load, right, right, for managed charging? Right. Do you want to get out of the way? I don't yeah, know. Sure. Um, so then, uh, so there's a lot of other things too because we can also um, activate some frequency um, control issues. If we are seeing that frequency on this part of the circuit is dropping, maybe we can infuse some additional um, power from the battery right. and be able to bring that up so that we're not so that our generators aren't having to respond 
at the Palau power plant, maybe we can infuse some, you know, additional power from the battery here right at this localized edge. location yeah. on the grid edge. Right. Exactly. So, so okay. Let me just um, try to backtrack a little bit here. So you've got what's the overall energy storage capability of these systems? Okay. Yeah, so the E-Gear systems are 5 kilowatts, and they're 12.8 kilowatt hours. Okay. So they're a pretty small system. And they're all synchronized. They're all the same size. Yes, they're all the same size. Yeah. And the people that were the recipients of this program, were they in the NEMQ and given this as an option yes. to be able to get solar? Yes. So they're getting the full credit. Yes. And the utility, if I understand correctly, is financed via E-Gear this kind of pilot project and yes. all the infrastructure. Yes. So they paid for their NAM system effectively. Yes. And then the utility company comes in and, and pays for all this exciting technology we're yes. looking at, right? Yeah. And then the advantage to the utility is that you have all of this opportunity to yeah. test at the grid edge some of the different yes. functionalities you just said. Yes. Right. So we have this we have this um, pilot that's going on right now. We also have a pilot with just the connector, mm -hmm. which is allowing customers. That's the collar. That's the collar. Okay. But that one is configured differently. That one is configured to be able to allow us to control the systems, and in only in times when we have those really desperate requirements where we need to uh, limit the amount of excess energy momentarily or, or very quickly, we can actually trip the inverter from that collar, gotcha. and so the production actually stops. Gotcha. So it's more of a curtailment option. Yes. And then so um, yeah. it, okay, okay, but not on this particular collar. So that's not this function of this collar. But and on how many of those other ones are there? We have the 26 and 26 right of those. Yeah. Okay. And then what is? Uh, am I hearing that you can make these these decisions through software at the control room? Yes. So you you're able to reach out and really affect uh, what type of experimentation or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, we do at the grid edge, all centrally located. So one of the one, they, these people could only opt in right now because uh, they had the cellular connectivity. They had to have an LTE that connection. That was a prerequisite. That That is one of the big system issues that we're trying right. to solve is that there's, and as you guys drive around Molokai, one of our huge problems on Molokai is uh, cell connectivity. You get right. out of Kaunakakai, you lose it. You right. get away from the airport, you lose it. Right. And a lot of these new technologies that give us the ability to control and get feedback and be able to see production and be able to um, respond to grid and, and provide grid services are often um, they often require these cell connections. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you do when you don't get when you don't have those? Build out the cell infrastructure. So, <laughs> well, we're looking at other interesting options. Right. Right. So and so we're not letting that cell connection stop us. We right. we, we know that that's something that we have to engage and and move forward with. Right. That's a very. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's amazing that an existing infrastructure like cell phone connectivity can actually inhibit the deployment of renewable energy. It's such a key piece of it. And we're going to find that on, you know, on Maui as well. And what a lot of people don't understand or don't realize is even your PV system without, you know, if, if we, we the utility, didn't require it under, you know, or, or have it as available to them under a program like, for example, Customer Grid Supply Plus, yeah. right? That cell or that connectivity, that curtailment ability option, is yeah. there, option is there. <clears throat> but, you know, the other thing too is most people's inverters on their houses also require some sort of connectivity. Now, a lot yeah. of times that may be done through a Wi-Fi connection through their house, yeah. but it does require the ability for that inverter to wirelessly receive firmware updates and you know right. all those things. Right. At first, it was uh, you know live data, mo yeah. live monitoring of production, <laughs> and then you know yeah. later on down the road, it became oh we can do firmware updates, yeah. and now it's now we're at the point where we're actually controlling actions yeah. uh, and and changing you know settings at a given moment, changing yeah. them back. So it's uh, becoming smarter and smarter. It's funny, as you were talking, I started to think, what an interesting time we're in because we're looking at just standard grid, uh, on-grid solar as almost yeah. kind of a dumb technology yeah. now, yeah. right? Dumb yeah. is a strong word, but you know what I mean yeah. by that, right? So now we have yeah. all this it's the increasing in intelligence, increasing in interactivity, increasing in functionality. Well, and all the, new, all the new programs require advanced inverter technology now. So you can't, if you apply for any of the programs, as of January 1st, 2016, you ha your inverter must be capable of providing some of these advanced functions. Right. So, it, so it has to be on the improved inverter list, and that's for any application in any of our service territories. They all must be on that right. approved list. Right. And those help 
the grid, but they also help the customer because it, it allows for the PV production to, and the inverter to be able to respond to, you know, various functions, frequency, yeah. frequency volt, or frequency watt, um, you know, different active uh, reactive power, right? You know, that right. sort of thing. So very exciting. And then, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of things occur to me just as uh, know, knowing the traditional relationship between the utility and the homeowner. Yeah. The utility is kind of, uh, Maui Electric in this case, has kind of gone further into someone's property yeah. and deployed technology, right? Yeah. So was there, were there any specific or any unique kind of liability releases or things of that nature that made it, is that, because to me, I mean, we're looking at, you know, energy yeah. storage putting on someone's home, but yeah. it's not owned by them, Yeah. right? So were there any complexities there? Was that, is that, is that precedented? Has it been done before? <laughs> I mean, is this something that people are experimenting with in other utilities or is this only here? Um, they're not, ex that, to my knowledge, and again, I, I kind of try to be exposed as much as possible to um, national, especially national, other programs, uh, whether it's in California or Arizona or across the nation. I talk with my counterparts at other utilities a lot and other organizations. So this is pretty on the cutting edge. Yeah. You know, we're also one of the few places that really have such high adoption rates for rooftop solar. Yeah. Because in other places where you have 11 cent electricity, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. So people the payback really is not, yeah. you know. So this is where, because we have so many different programs and program offerings, and we're looking at different mechanisms, you know, price setting mechanisms like in Smart Export or your, your payback under some of these new programs that are different from net energy metering. It's just constantly evolving. So do you and see? Do you see the, and the technology is taking a larger and larger role in that. Yeah. Do you see this as being a like? Is this a a, a, a miniature test case for a virtual power plant? Um, that's interesting. I, I think that when we talk about, for example, we have a docket before the PUC right now, the Public Utilities Commission, that is on um, about grid modernization. Right? And the whole idea behind grid modernization is that we then have all these devices that are interacting with each other and talking to each other. And we know we have to go there because we got to get away from this, this old grid of one-way power flow to now a grid that is interacting and pulling power, not just from the power plant, but from everywhere and balancing those loads. So you are looking at this kind of virtual power plant, which is getting away from the centralized power plant as the concept and the way of the future to looking at all of these systems being interacted and sending power where it needs to go, when it needs it, and pulling power, you know, taking load, you know, taking something away or re-diverting that circuit to some other place to be able to balance the grid. So though that's kind of where we're going with those grid modernization efforts, which we know we've got to get there. And, you know, and when we start talking vehicle, vehicle to home or vehicle to grid, and we're starting to talk more integrated batteries, you know, more distributed batteries, yeah, you're talking about taking energy, using it at the time you need it, having it respond to the grid and provide those services. And like I mentioned before, when we were at the power plant, Batteries can provide different functions. It's not just about like a right. Duracell battery where you take it, plug it into your flashlight, turn on the flashlight, and you now you have a light, you know your light. Right. This one is hey, you know if we need it for frequency response, like at the power plant with that battery there, that provides a completely different function, and it's balancing those out. So some batteries for example, may need to be required to do those functions and not necessarily store energy. We need a real quick infusion of electricity. Maybe it's not a battery, maybe it's a capacitor, maybe it's something else. So how far, I mean, I know this is a, yeah, I get it that this is an evolution. Jay, jump in at any time here. But I get this is an evolution, but I mean, when you think of the arc of this, I mean, how far are we away, in your opinion, from the perspective of Greg Kresge, head of renewable uh, you know, energy department here, Maui Electric, Molokai, you're doing it, you've got 10 homes, we kind of agree it's like a, a little micro VPP yeah. kind of concept. How far are we from you know, deploying 10 megawatts of you know, X amount of homes in a community with a virtual power plant uh, kind of model? I mean, is that something that is right around the corner? Is that something that's five years out? I mean, do you have any sense of that? Um. I would love for it to be tomorrow, because <laughs> uh, I think the, the real big thing for us is we know the next step is storage. We know, we know that we're having 
we're having these over voltage issues on our circuits. That's we're we're looking at hosting capacity. We're looking at the ability of people to add in their systems. I think we're we're looking at also as more and more of this technology comes out, we're getting a better picture. We're kind of moving away. We're going to be moving away from the old style of putting in irradiance meters in substations to monitor and predict the, and forecast the PV production to actually getting things like this where we will see actual production. Actual we data can say, hey, system capacity, awarded capacity to this program is, you know, 7KW, but we're only seeing three. You know, so if we if we see this, you know, what's really happening on the grid? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. But uh, so. And you have some predictive analytics starting to get more and more precise yeah, and weather then, data too, right? And then knowing that storage is going to be a big component of that. I think yeah. I think every project that comes along that looks like it's going to want to submit a purchase power agreement or be a power provider on our grid, I think at this point they. They pretty much have to look at energy storage because right. otherwise, curtailment is going to be huge. Right. Right. So, and it, and the, the, that'll make the financial. And the financing is harder, and right? it makes the power more expensive. Right. Yeah. So the the storage may mm -hmm. be more of a capital expenditure, but that'll provide. You can engage it, and then you can uh, know what that those numbers are going to be like over time. Right. Yeah. So you can actually bank yeah. them potentially. It's an exciting time. We're, Absolutely. We're, we've got a lot of work to do, but. We're, we're doing it. We're not stepping back and going, yeah. let somebody else handle this. So It's inspiring. Yeah, it really is. So thank you so much for doing all the hard work and getting this stuff up and running. And we're back again. That was a bit of a long conversation, but there's so much going on there. Uh, some really unconventional thinking that Miko is engaging in, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's nothing like seeing the, the, the little baby virtual power plant in action, ready to be, be, be utilized <laughs> and take it and, and kind of put through its paces and see what we can actually do with it, you know? Right. Um, uh, yeah. For anybody that was wondering, that was uh, Mr. Josh Porter interviewing the ice machine on Molokai. It's <laughs> la the last time I ever let you hold a mic, okay? Yeah, yeah we know that, though. We know that, though. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, really um, unbelievable access to this information here with Greg. Uh, you know, really an amazing program overall, that, that the eager thing. And then, you know, we got um, I've got a you know, couple minutes in front of us right now. So we'll just recap this all up. But, you know, allowing people to finance their systems, get the benefits of the net energy metering, net energy metering you know, that, that that technology allowed people to install solar that they wanted to install. And at the same time, allow the utility to balance the grid in a more effective way, even learn something new in the process. They had a handful of ideas. They were really looking excited to kind of like test it all out, you know. Right. I mean, they've got a lot of things looming, right? I mean, you, they can they can kind of play with the math and see if it's going to work, but you really never know. I mean, that's like laboratory conditions. You never really know if it's going to work unless you put it in the real world. And so he's got these 10 batteries out there, which he can turn like discharge them all the way turn them all on like a whole bunch of people just came home with electric vehicles and see how much power it sucks up on the grid see if the circuits can even handle it yeah and that's that's you you won't ever really know until you do it and so this is this is the best way for them to learn it'd be, it's, and it, gonna, it's it's such on the bleeding edge <laughs> it's gonna be great to get some transparency on that when that actually is tested right we got about a minute absolutely. in front of us so this has been a great show we talked about all the amazing things that are happening over in molokai uh from the existing generation through to the battery energy storage system, to the load bank, to electric vehicles in the, uh, coming on in the future, and also this e-gear project. We also had a sit down with Greg talking about this uh, pending, I think, 2.7 megawatt solar uh, farm with battery integrated stor storage. Good storage. That which, is that is time shift yeah, storage. That's right. coming on soon too. So uh, yeah, we learned a tremendous amount. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks to uh, Chris Reynolds and Gregory Kresge and Sable and Shana and everyone out there that helped us put this show together. Uh, hey folks, this has been the uh, Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. Uh, we're here at Koei 1110 AM and a bunch of great FM stations every Friday. Uh, thanks so much. It was a great show. Uh, and oh, we got sponsors right. too. Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi yep. Electric America, Sonam Battery, Pika Energy, Sundrum Solar. Uh, hey guys, thank you for all the, uh, the opportunity and uh, have a wonderful uh, Aloha Friday. Yep.